Good morning, good morning. Welcome to Ethos. Uh, my name is Dave. So glad that you're here. Uh, I don't know if you're like me, but um, there's something about that song. You know, Will taught us that song last week. I'd never even heard it before. And we're just like singing those lyrics. Just, and what we're doing in that is we're just singing the gospel. We're singing the truest thing about us. And, it, you know, the last two weeks, every time we sung that song, I just thought about those moments where, where, where God just lit up the shadows of my life. Sorry. It's like, I remember who I was. And I remember when Christ came after me. I'm like, man, it's not just a song. It's, a, it's a, Somebody else want to preach today, Hubie, Deanna, somebody. Can somebody come help me? Just those moments. We're like, man, it's not that I was a good person with bad habits. It's that I was a dead person with deadly habits. And Christ came in, and Christ saves, and Christ resurrects, and Christ is slowly but surely changing me in you. And I'm like, wow, what a thing that is. And I'm sorry, I I don't know how to be casual about that. And I I don't want to be casual about that. And I'm not going to try to be casual about it. It's like, man, do you remember who you were (laughs) before? Is it who some of you still are, and we're glad you're here? (laughs) Can't wait for the Spirit of God to get a hold of you um, like he did us. Um, man, let me pray. Maybe that will help me start the sermon, okay? Let me pray over us. Um, God, thank you for the gift of your love for us. I just keep thinking about the story you tell us in Luke 15. And, you know, Jesus, there's all of these stories that you could have used to tell us about what God the Father is like, and the story that you chose to tell was of a father that turns over the house looking for a coin, that leaves the sheep to find the wandering one, um, that waits on the horizon for the kid to come back, and then throws the party. Man, that's who you are. That's who you are. And to think about what that in turn tells us about who we are in your eyes is just uh, mind-blowing. I don't honestly know what to do with it other than just say thank you. Um, and then would you in turn give us the sort of character um, that we see in your heart, Father, and would you send us out? Would you help us to light up shadows? Would you disrupt us? In the places of comfort. God, I pray that by the power of the Spirit, you would help this church to understand tangibly the words of Mark 8, that whoever wants to find their life must lose it. That everyone who seeks to follow you must pick up a cross and not just celebrate a cross that was picked up for us, but must in turn pick up a cross and follow you. Father, with your gentle hand, would you prune us? Would you take off the cultural Christianity that so bogs us down in the waters that we're swimming in and make us fully alive in you. Thank you for the gift of family. 
Thank you for the gift of your spirit. Thank you that we get to be here together in your midst. It's in the name of Jesus that I pray and give thanks. And together we say, amen. Um, yeah, the tears were not a part of my notes. <laughs> That's not in the, in the plan for today. Um, so we'll see how this goes. If you have a Bible, Ephesians chapter 6 is where we're going to be just for a few minutes. And we've, we've been going through this letter to the Ephesians for the last 18 weeks together. If you're using one of our Bibles, that's page 817. And we've been going through this, this letter to the Ephesians, and it's, it's so interesting to me. You know, I, I think about like great stories and great movies. Uh, typically, the way that they start and the way that they end really matters, right? And the way that the letter to the Ephesians begins and the way that the letter to the Ephesians ends really matters, it starts with this promise of blessing and it ends with this reminder of battle. And so if you remember Ephesians chapter one, verse three, he says, listen, church, in Jesus, every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms is yours. And the book of Ephesians starts with this conversation about blessing, but the book of Ephesians ends with this conversation about battle because in the kingdom of God, there is this undeniable connection between blessing and battle. That so often before there is a blessing to be received, there is a battle to be fought. And over and over and over in the scriptures, we're going to be told that the, the war is won by Christ Jesus himself, but that doesn't negate the reality that we as his followers find ourselves in a very real battle. And it's what we've been talking about the last few weeks together. If you were here two Sundays ago, Aaron taught out of the first part of Ephesians chapter 6. And he reminded us, it was like so beautiful. He, he talked about how the enemy, Satan, this invisible foe that we can't see who masquerades as an angel of light, how he, he uses things like accusation and intimidation and temptations to disrupt the blessings of Christ in our life. That this very real enemy, he comes into our marriages and he comes into our work and he comes into our thought processes and his his goal is not just to steal our joy, but to dislodge our sense of effectiveness in the kingdom of God. And so we began talking about that battle a couple of weeks ago. And then last week, if you were here, Brandon just so beautifully taught about, uh, you know, we haven't been sent into this battle empty-handed. That we've, we've been given this armor that Christ Jesus himself has fitted us for the battle that we find ourselves in. And that here we are in the midst of this very real battle seeking to receive the very real blessing, knowing that all of this is a part of life in the kingdom of God. And so we come to the end of this uh, kind of letter, this story. And I, I love what Paul is going to say. We're just going to look at one simple verse this morning because I think there's this temptation sometimes when you think about blessings and battle to stay in the realm of the vague or the theoretical and never get it all the way down to the ground and really understand it. And this is what Paul, this is how Paul's going to wrap up his conversation on the spiritual battles. Look at verse 18 with me. He says, and so I'm telling you, pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests with this in mind, be alert, always keep on praying for the Lord's people. Listen to this, pray in the spirit on all occasions and with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and keep on praying for all of God's people. Paul says, listen, we're in a battle and you haven't been sent into the battle unarmed. You have the armor. And he says, but the way you begin to put it on and the way you begin to live this out in the kingdom of God is in the realm of prayer, is in the realm of this conversation. Um, you know, one of the great joys 
of my life is just getting to, to play baseball in the backyard with my three boys. I, I love baseball. And uh, uh, yesterday afternoon, we're like out there just playing. We're just like having such an amazing time. Uh, this spring, I had the joy of getting to, to coach my two oldest sons. Their, um, their baseball team is the four to six-year-old Creefall Cubs, and you've heard me talk about them before. It's part of my legacy, you know, just as a, a dad and as a father. And I don't mean to be arrogant or boastful, but our team was really, really terrible. And um, I was a really bad coach, but I tried, and we had fun, and, and we, were, we were doing the best that we could. And I remember... About four or five games into the season, we hadn't won yet, I don't think. We, we, we weren't doing very well. The kids were improving, but we were just getting beat. And uh, on this one Saturday morning, we had played this team called the Coyotes. And if, if our kids' life was in a little uh, movie, the Coyotes would have been the bad guys. They had the coolest uniforms. They had the sponsorships, you know. These five-year-olds all had mustaches. They were like grown men, you know. <laughs> Just like the real deal. Like, and they destroyed us. They beat us 22 to 1. Um, yeah, that's a real score. And, and Mark, who is our coach, he's over here on the second row. He and I are trying to figure out how to spin this afterwards with the kids. We're like, man, you have your uniforms on. Great job. And, and so we get in the car and we're driving back and I've got my two oldest sons, Micah and Jack, and, and we're just talking and kind of out of the blue, Jack says, hey, dad, is it fun to win? <laughs> and he asked it in such a way that I began to recognize he had no personal experience <laughs> with the joy of victory. It's like total theory. He's like this, this thing that all the other kids have every week when they play us. <laughs> Tell me, Father, what does that feel like? <laughs> and uh, I was like, uh, you may never experience it. So, uh, <laughs> But, but let me tell you, and so I start telling them, hey, we're going to win, and then, you know, this is what it's like. And there, there's this, this moment where the idea of victory just felt like a theory to him. And so, I mean, isn't this true sometimes in the kingdom of God? Like, you know, like, you know, you know that Jesus has won the battle. You know that he's won the war, but man, the accusations and the temptations... And the intimidations that bogged you down before you were walking with Jesus feel as close as they ever have. I remember when I gave my life to Jesus almost 20 years ago and just thinking, I'm going to give my life to Jesus and tomorrow I'm going to be like a spiritual super freak. Like I'm going to, and it wasn't that way. In fact, in some ways, I remember feeling worse. I'm like, I think I'm more ineffective maybe. Because the battle is, is real and there are times when the distance between Ephesians chapter 1, every spiritual blessing. In Ephesians chapter 6, the battle is impending. Sometimes the distance between those two worlds just feels worlds and worlds apart. And Paul's going to say, hey, listen, the way you step into this, the way you lean into this, is in the place of prayer. He says you pray in the Spirit on all occasions. And I was, I was thinking about this this week. You know, uh, two weeks ago when Aaron was preaching, uh, you know, I was listening, and, and I've known Aaron for 22 years, but he's been one of my best friends, and part of the reason his sermon to me was so powerful is because I've watched that sermon lived out in his life, like in the private space, I've just seen it over and over and over, and as he was teaching, there were things where I thought, hey, let's come back, let's talk about that, hey, why didn't you tell that story, hey, why didn't, why didn't you bring that in, let's bring this down to the ground, because I believe every one of us, we find ourselves living in this tension of battle and blessing, and so... One of the things that I've asked him, I'm going to have him come up here in just a minute, and um, we're going to share some things together that we've kind of experienced. And then we as a church, we're just going to practice 
what Paul tells us to do in verse 18, and that is we're just going to get on our knees today and pray in the Spirit on all occasions that God would do what only God can do. So Aaron, you can come on up. If Aaron was a guest, we would cheer for him, but since he's a part of our family, just stare at him awkwardly right now. Everybody just look at him. Um, You know, uh, one of the reasons I wanted Aaron to come up was because I've seen this over and over in your life, you know, over the last 22 years, um, that you and your wife, Amy, and your kids, there have been these moments when God has called you into this season of blessing. Hey, I want you to come know me in a new way. I want you to come be a part of this new adventure. And every time I've watched Aaron and Amy step into this season of blessing, very closely tied to that call of blessing has been a very real battle. There's been a very real struggle. I think sometimes when we think about spiritual battles, it's so vague and it's so weird. And so um, I just wanted to give you the opportunity to come up here and um, to just kind of speak into how you've seen that connection play out. Um, maybe you could tell a lot of stories, but maybe focus on, you know, 10 years ago, uh, you're sitting in my living room, God calls you into a new mission. Yeah, so, you know, 10 years ago, uh, my wife, Amy, and I, we, we both had jobs. She was a teacher. I was a therapist. We were living in Arkansas, and uh, not a picture of paradise, but, you know, we were good. <laughs> we were happy. Um, and uh, in the middle of that, God called us to move, to go be a part of a church planting team, to plant a new church in Vancouver, British Columbia. And I remember we were passing through Nashville, getting ready to move and talking with Dave and Sid and working through all the real implications of quitting our jobs and being dependent on God financially and moving to a new part of the country. And, um, you know, we watched the battle unfold in some very real ways. And, you know, there, there were a few things that probably we would normally associate with a spiritual battle, okay? So there were some dreams where um, the enemy tried to intimidate my wife and I through, through things and dreams where we would wake up feeling very clearly that we were trying to be intimidated. And, but those weren't the most significant things. I mean, those were, they came and we would pray and they would go away. But the most significant things I think that I observed came uh, in the arena of our marriages. I say marriages because we were on a team that was planning a church and we saw the enemy just start to wreak havoc. Uh, in some of the marriages on our team and in our own lives. I'll focus more on ours, but I will say one thing about one other couple. You know, one of the things that I learned about the way the enemy works in the battle was there was one couple that was going to move with us, and I won't share a lot of details for their sake, but just some stuff came up in their marriage. Uh, We had already moved, and I remember I'm literally unpacking the boxes in my new house when I get a call uh, from one of these, uh, uh, the spouse, one of the spouses in this couple, and their marriage is blown up. And it was from sin that had been in their marriage for a while that had been kept secret. Uh, there was some lack of integrity with financial things. There was uh, some pornography issues and some other things like that that just kind of came to the surface. And one of the things I learned was that the enemy not only lures us in with temptation, but oftentimes he will convince you that you need to keep your sin and your faults secret so that nobody finds out. And he will allow you to keep it secret until he can maximize the damage that can be caused by coming into the light. And that happened with this couple. You know, they kept some things secret. And right about the time they were going to move and our whole team counting on them, some things came out into the light, destroyed their marriage, um, uh, crippled our team a little bit, you know. And so that's one of the things that I learned about the ways that the enemy works. But in my own life, in in our marriage, uh, Amy and I saw some things happening. And it wasn't just because we're married but it's because we were both individuals walking with Jesus. And when you're married, you've got two individuals walking with Jesus. And for me, the enemy came after me in some of the, with accusations, he started coming after me in some of the places that I've always felt insecure. You know, like uh, this theme of my life that the enemy uses against me is, hey, Aaron, you're inadequate, you're incompetent, you can't do this on your own. What are you thinking moving up here to plant a church? You're gonna fail. 
And I'm wrestling through all of these thoughts and hearing them and trying to reconcile them. And then at the same time, Amy, my wife, she's worried about our, our stability. She said that, you know, one of the things that the enemy used against her was having us worry about our finances. I mean, we, we literally lived month to month. I mean, we didn't know where our... For like seven years. Yeah, I mean, yeah. years. We lived not knowing where our next month's income would come from or how much we would have the following month. And we learned just to trust God each step of the way. And so for Amy, she's feeling uncertain about security. I'm feeling attacked and accused in my identity. And what that caused was just this uprising of some ugliness in our marriage. And I've always struggled with anger. You know, I, I've had a temper my whole life. And you know, here we are, missionaries have moved to a new mission field. And all of a sudden, next thing I know is I'm just blowing up left and right. I remember one night, Amy and I got in this huge fight. And I was so mad. I knew I had to get out of the house. We're like yelling at each other. A picture of a great pastor, right? I'm yelling at my wife, and as I'm walking out, I'm like, I got to get out of this house and go for a walk and cool down, and I was so mad. I remember I literally threw a chair across the room. I was so mad, and the chair just breaks, you know, as it hits the wall, and I walk out, and um, just so humiliated and embarrassed because the enemy had got the better of me. The Lord is trying to work out something really beautiful in us, and he taught us so much, but in the middle of that, in just very real, ordinary ways, the enemy began to use accusation and temptation to try to lure us away from the Lord. And I started seeing old sins pop up in my life. I started struggling with purity and uh, dealing with pornography issues that I thought I had laid to rest. Um, and so there I was in the middle of taking this step, trying to receive the blessings of God and this very real battle kind of coming against me. And I, and I share that. And sometimes I'm hesitant to talk about what it's like to step into a big step, to take, to answer God and to step into what he has for you because... Sometimes there will be people that go, man, if that's what it's like to step into the blessing, I'm pretty good where I am. Um, but know this, is that the enemy doesn't just come after us when we try to step into big things. That the enemy is at work in our lives, even in just the normal, everyday, mundane, day-to-day -day life. And, you know, I, I think, you know, Dave and Sid have taken some major steps of courage in planting this church. And, but that involved them staying where they, where they already lived. And I'd love for you to talk into how you have felt the enemy kind of working on you and distracting you, even just the normal life, not picking up and moving across the country. <laughs> yeah, I love that. It's like, how did the enemy attack you when you took risks for God and then for cowards like me? <laughs> this, is, <laughs> this is how the devil comes. I'm glad so, you read between the lines there. Yeah, so for all, of, for all of you that are cowards like me, this is the, really the place for you. We're glad you're here. Um, uh, now, I don't know, I don't know if you felt this, even when Aaron was talking, just how refreshing it is for somebody to just share some of the hard stuff, to, yeah, to, to share, like, some of the, some of the humanity, because I think sometimes when we think about spiritual battle, we make it like fantasy land, you know, like some wizard's going to come out of the sky and, and do something crazy, but we forget that this battle is happening on the soil of real human hearts. Like in the midst of our workspaces, in the midst of our marriages, in the midst of our thought life, like that the enemy, he masquerades as what? An angel of light. And, and he comes into those ordinary spaces. And I think one of the things that he does, especially in our Western context, is he works so hard to convince us that he's not even real. So that way, that way we try to deal with these spiritual realities with, with physical tools and physical helps. You know, one of the things that I've seen kind of in the midst of my journey is there have been seasons where Sydney and I have experienced spiritual battle, and it's been overt, and it's been terrifying. But for us, the most deadly stuff has been in just the midst of the mundane life. 
You know, those ordinary Mondays, those ordinary Tuesdays, and where, where the enemy begins to plant seeds that he wants to reap a harvest on decades later. It's kind of what Aaron was talking about, how the enemy loves to lay a foundation and then bring it to the surface when it would do the most damage. I remember several years ago, I'll just uh, tell one story. Uh, we began to sense, not in real time, but we began to sense that the enemy was working to isolate us. And I think that this is one of the primary tactics of the enemy. He wants to get the people of God off to themselves so he can, he can bully them. He can wreak havoc on them. And the way that he tends to get us into isolation is he doesn't just come to us and say, hey, get away from people. He begins to sow seeds in our hearts that will cause us to forfeit the blessing of community. Does that make sense? Like, um, He's pushing against, I mean... I think, you know, Ephesians 4, we spent all this time talking about the importance of unity in the body. Yeah, yeah. It's like the enemy's attacks, they're not just against you as an individual. He is ultimately trying to thwart God's work in the bigness of God's people, right? And so, of course, he's going to isolate us and try to keep us away from one another. Yeah, and you know, the reality is Satan cannot steal your salvation, but he can steal the joy of your salvation and then get you to forfeit the blessings that come with salvation. And it's just the crafty way that he works. And, you know, so I remember, you know, Sydney and I, we were, we were just experiencing all of this frustration in the context of our friend group and our community. We were trying to figure out what to do with it. And I was finding myself getting bitter and angry and frustrated and literally just thinking, man, maybe we just need a new friend group. And uh, those of you that are my friends, I'm not thinking about you, okay? Um, you know, but we, we're just kind of in that place. And I, so I remember we were on vacation. We were actually down at Hubie, Indiana's, and we were uh, down on vacation, and Sydney had given me some time. She said, just go down to the beach, be with the Lord. And so I'm, I'm there, and I'm just praying. I'm not even praying about my friend group. I'm just, Lord, just search my heart. I was literally praying Psalm 139, Lord, search my heart. And as I was praying that, the Spirit of God just said, hey, go read James chapter 3. He kind of pointed me to a passage of Scripture, and I wasn't sure what was in James chapter 3. I don't have the whole Bible memorized yet, and so I flip over, and, and I'm there, and I get to verse 13, and the Spirit of God just starts speaking to me. And I love what he said. He said, do not harbor bitterness or selfish ambition or vain conceit. He goes on to say, he says, because these things are not from God. These things have been put in you by the evil one. And the Spirit of God began speaking to me. He said, hey, Dave, you've created, you know what a harbor is, right? A harbor is a safe place for ships. He says, Dave, you've created a harbor in your heart where you've made it okay to store up bitterness and envy and selfish ambition. And those are the things that are disrupting your friendships. Those are the things that are creating isolation. And the enemy's trying to get you away from the people who love you most so that he can sift your life. And it's one of those moments where I went, man, spiritual battle, it's not always this like crazy, vague, like out there thing. It's like right now in the midst of your real lives, there's blessing and there's battle. And those two things are tied together. And so I love verse 19 because Paul kind of gets to the end of this really crazy conversation and he brings it down to the ground. He says, and here's the way you begin to push into it. He says, you pray in the Spirit on all occasions. Kind of talk about real, real quickly, what in the world, like, what does that mean? What does that look like? How do we do this as a church? You know, I think, I think one of the things I've realized is that prayer, for many of us, feels like this really confusing concept. It feels like something that's kind of boring. I think in the, in the South, we have a lot of cultural Christianity. Prayer is just this thing that we do before we eat, uh, before we go to bed, before a football game. You know, it's like this... This thing that we do to ask God for something or even to thank Him for something, but it feels like a monologue. It's just like this thing. I'm throwing some words out there. And one of the things I began to realize in my spiritual journey was that prayer was this, you know, as Paul describes it, it says pray in spirit on all occasions. In other words, prayer is this ongoing reality. 
that the Spirit of God, the very presence of God dwells within me, dwells within you when you give your life to Jesus, and that the Spirit himself prays for us, Paul, Paul tells us in Romans 8, and that my life can come in tune with that prayer to God all the time. And so here, here's what this looks like. It sounds kind of vague, but um, it's conversational. So that when I went for a walk out of my house that night after breaking a chair, I'm talking to God about it. And I remember I knew I had to come back and I had to talk with my wife about it. And I had to pray with my wife about it. And I remember I get back to our house and I open the door and the first thing I see is this broken chair that I broke. And I'm reminded of my faults and the temptation is to hide. But you see, prayer is this place where we don't hide from the things that we're ashamed of. Prayer is this place where we're just open and honest with God and we're open and honest with one another. And I had to go in there and pray with my wife. Prayer humbles us. It's an ongoing thing. I can remember calling you multiple times uh, from Vancouver, from Oregon, and just sharing with you the things that I was going through, whether it was my own struggles or things that I was doubting or things in my marriage. And what I began to realize is in those moments where I'm pouring my heart out to my friend, that the Lord is right there with us, that the Spirit is there. In these moments where you open up your heart to a brother and sister in Christ, that's prayerful. That's prayerful. You're coming into God's presence. And then when you bow your heads together, when you pray, that's prayerful. And when I'm driving down the street and the Lord reminds me of somebody to pray for, that's prayerful. And when I get up in the morning for those times alone with God, that's prayerful. And when I thank Him for my meal, that's prayerful. And when I go about my job and I pray for my coworker that doesn't even know I'm praying, that is prayerful. And when I just share the things in my heart with God, that is prayerful. That prayer is this ongoing conversation with the Lord. And here's the thing is that it postures us ready to receive every spiritual blessing. It postures us of being aware, just like that song we sing, I don't deserve it. I I couldn't earn this from you, God. Prayer is this place where I humbly come before God, not looking, not caught up on the way that I think I look or the way that God looks at me the way I think he does, but understanding the promise that he looks at me as sin-free because of Jesus Christ, and I come before him confidently. And and as I began to walk in that, it really changed the way I dealt with the battle. You start to recognize a battle for what it is, and you just start to talk to God about it. Hey, God, I'm sorry that I I just had that thought, that critical thought about that person. And you just go about your day, and sin no longer gets to weigh you down and distract you from what God's doing in your life. So here's what we're going to do this morning. We're going to actually just spend some time practicing, you know, what Paul says. Paul says, in all occasions, pray in the Spirit. And here in just a minute, um, you know, Peter back at the soundboard, he's going to turn on some music to make us feel more spiritual or something, but he'll, he'll turn on some music. We're, we're, we're going to kind of give our, our hearts the space to, to just re- reflect, and we're going to give you like 10 or 12 minutes um, right now to just pray, um, to just really ask God. For some of you, this will be a prayer of awareness where you're saying, hey, God, would you make me aware of of where I find myself in battle and I don't even know it. Hey, would you make me aware of the blessings that you're trying to get me to step into? Um, for some of you, um, this will be a prayer of deliverance and you need to turn to somebody next to you and say, hey, can we just pray together for a few minutes? If you've never been to Ethos, it's a, a normal thing for us to pray with the people next to us uh, and just to say, hey, let's, let's pray. And so I wanna give you just about two minutes right now to just kind of to clear your heart and your mind as we enter into this time of prayer. And then we're going to lead you through a couple of things of prayer before we take communion and uh, continue in our worship. So I invite you to close your eyes. Let's take, take just a minute or two in silence.